what a great song to get us started. Um, I could not be contented until I found the Lord. Christopher, you are a very tall man. All right. Well, uh, first thing I want to do is I want to welcome back our campus ministry. Woo! Come on. Uh, I was thinking about it last night. I was really excited. I was like, they came back, you know? So it was, uh, it's fun to, uh, and exciting to know that like the students, there's an element of when the students come back into the city as a whole, it just like, there's just more energy in the city. You know, the population changes by like, you know, a good 9,000 people at least uh, from when the students are gone to when they come back. Uh, but you can just kind of feel it when you're there. There's just more going on. Uh, I, I think that's fun and exciting. Uh, it's also a different sort of exciting if you're worried about hitting any students as they're just walking blithely across the street. But, um, amen. But, uh, so, this morning though, or before I do that, I do want to make one, one uh, kind of thing to say, hey, this family room, going to the family room tomorrow, if you're free, if you've got the day off, it's a great opportunity to just serve um, an organization that does a lot for our community uh, and, and for just the, the low-income families it's a, it's a really cool spot. I mean, most of us were there, obviously, for the wedding. Um, and if you if you can and you're able, come. It's it's you know apparently it's it's 9:30 to 11:30. It's not too long, but I think sometimes we end up staying a little longer because uh, there's usually enough to do. They did do a remodel, and everything looks awesome there now. Uh, so maybe they'll need us longer. Maybe they won't. <clears throat> but I will say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy 2018. It is the, the first time I've been up here to preach in the new year. In fact, it's been several weeks even before the new year since I've been up here to preach. So it's been a little while. If you forgot, my name is Mike. I lead, you know, I'm, I'm the full-time minister for our congregation. Uh, but, you know, over the holidays, I went back to, to visit my family in Texas. And uh, it was it was really nice to be there and spend some time with them uh, it, you know, I was thinking it was going to be really hot and warm, but it was so frigidly cold up here that it kind of went down there. So there was like some 20 degree weather, which everybody there is like freezing. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is pretty good. It's not bad. Uh, you know, I got into the, the, the 50s a little bit, you know, low 50s, but that was still pretty cool for them. Uh, but it was great to be back. And I got to visit, uh, I got to visit my old church family while I was down there and worship with the disciples in San Antonio and it was a great Sunday service and it was it, it struck me because there was a there was a guy who preached and he used the term guy but what's funny to me is when I left he was like a junior in high school or something no 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 he wasn't even a junior in high school he was like a freshman in high school you know, and he is an intern, and he's preaching, and it was his first sermon. But I was like, "What is happening right now? What is what is going on?" And he did a really good job, um, especially considering it was the first time he never preached, and the church is—I don't know—they had to be at least 400 people, and there was—I could tell there was a lot of people who weren't there for the holidays, and you could just tell it was—it was a little different. But it was wonderful to be back. It was wonderful to visit friends and catch up for a little bit with them. I didn't get to hang out a lot with them. But I was so excited to be there. And so I remember 
Kristen and I were at the car, and we have James, and I got my dad to come to church with me, which was a really big deal. Um, and I had mixed mo- emotions about it because I wanted to like hang out and like help my dad have a great time, but at the same time, I was so excited just to be there because it was like I parked the car and I'm like, who, who do I know in the parking lot? Who do I know? You know, and I'm carrying James, you know, and I've got him, and I'm so excited for people to meet him, and and I'm just pumped to be there. And I start seeing people that I know, and I'm like, hey, you know, and I like start trying to hug people, and and then eventually I see enough people that I'm like, here, Kristen, you know, and I'm trying to like, you know, give give James to Kristen, so I can just go like see all of these people uh, that I know and I love and I miss, and and it was great to see them, but it was interesting after service. Um, and even while I was there, I began to notice something. I began to feel a little funny, like, while I was there. Uh, and it took me a while to put my finger on it. And, and it was after we left, I was kind of reflecting, like, what, what was going on? Like, what was, like, what, why, why do I feel like that was so weird? And, and it hit me. That I'd spent my whole life in San Antonio, I'd become a disciple there, I'd, I'd gone through the campus ministry there, and but it hit me that that was no longer home. You know, like I, I it, it wasn't my home church anymore. Uh, I, I I was there, and I had this realization that I'm a visitor. I don't belong here. I mean, I belong in the sense of the family of God, but I don't belong here anymore. And that made me a little bit sad. I have to admit, it made me a little sad, a part of me. Um, but the other thing that I felt at the same time was a sense of gratitude, of pride, and of joy for what we have here. Because I realized this has become my home. You know, you guys are my church family. You know, and when I was there, there was a lot of old friends and, and everything to be with, but it was great. And I mean, I've been gone for seven years now, so it's not like it was a little while. It's it's taken me a while uh, to get there, but it just kind of hit me like this is this is home now. You know, and it's taken years to for our friendships to get where they are and to feel like we are where we are. But life is it, things change. You know, I had changed. The church had changed. We met at a different location. The, the church was twice the size that it was when I left. I mean, you know, I think their average attendance is something like 700 people or something like that. You know, when I left, it was probably 350, roughly. You know, not a small church by any means, but that's a, that's a big difference. You know what I'm saying? That was different, and, and that didn't throw me off, but it was just... It was different. I was no longer... But just out of college graduate, you know, young professional, I, you know, I'm marking it with my wife and my son and I've been gone for a long time. And, and I'm different. The church is different. And change happens in life. And we can feel good or we can feel bad, but change happens. You know what I mean? And so life is all about change. Like I said, some are exciting and joyful. Some are like dreadful and sad, right? And last week, you know, Josh talked a little bit about this idea in his sermon of things being made new, if you were here. 
And, and it, it did inspire some of my thoughts that I want to share with you today. Because people often have very different opinions about change. Anybody not like change? Don't like change. Who loves change? Like, I love it when things are different. You know, it's so exciting. You know, and then, and then the rest of us kind of fall somewhere in that margin of in-between, right? Uh, there's a, enough change that it doesn't, like, turn my world upside down, but enough, like, structure and saneness that, like, I feel like I really get to get things done. Uh, different things as it gets new, as change happens. But... For me, it's a new year. The year has changed, guys, by the way. It's 2018. Uh, and this time of year, I like to sit and reflect on... It's good for me to sit and reflect on how last year went. And what do I want to see this year? What do I want to see change? And what, do, what kind of goals I want to shoot for? Um, and then as I like... I've made lists before. Anybody ever made a list of things they want to see in the new year? How many people have finished like 100% of their list before? Somebody done 90% of their list? Maybe 60? I think I, the close, I might have gotten close to 50 one year, which was like, yeah. But in the reality, as you're writing this list, you can almost hear the, the like, variables of life just laughing at you, like mocking you, like, ah, you know, thinking you don't know what's coming and all the things that are going to change uh, to turn your plans upside down. And so... What happens as we look into this future is there's all of this unknown. All these things that want to sabotage our best laid plans. And so what I want to try to do is root us today not in what can change, but what never changes. Amen? Amen? What I want to do is make an appeal for us to, to plant our lives on the immutability of God. And that's just a fancy theological term for God doesn't change. That God stays the same. So building our lives on this fact that our God, who is perfectly good, does not, cannot, and will not ever change, is the best way to enter into 2018. By rooting ourselves in that fact. There can be a confidence in pushing You want to make a bet? You can push all your chips on this bet. That the God of the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And to trust in and lean on that is good for our souls. It's good for our souls. So the title of today's sermon is The Never-Changing God in an Ever-Changing World. Are you with me? And we're going to start in James chapter 1. In verse 17. We're going to look at just one verse to start us off. James 1, verse 17. Holy Spirit tells us, says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Pause there. You know, this, this passage, he says, one of the things he's trying to explain is God does not change like, like the shifting shadow of life. Everything good and perfect is going to flow from Him. 
And, and that brings up questions of what is good, and we're not going to jump into all of that today. But sometimes what is, is good and what is perfect is not always comfortable. I will say that. Like God's plan is, is His good and perfect plan may not always be what we conceive to be as the most enjoyable experience, but really is a perfect plan for us. But here, in the context of this passage, it's funny because it talks about how God does not change and how good His gifts are and how perfect His gifts are. But if you look at this passage of James, if you look at this section, it's all coming before it, all about trials and temptations. And he's talking about how things are are hard and they're challenging. And then he says, hey, take joy in all of these things. I mean, that's not that easy to do. You know what I'm saying? It's not easy to take joy in trials, temptations, challenges. But he is calling us. He said, he's saying all of this to remind us amongst this, this concept of it's a challenging and trying time to go. The Holy Spirit saying, I want to emphasize to you when things are hard that God is always good. And He's got a plan. You guys with me? The Holy Spirit's trying to make sure that we get it. And and why is it important for us to, to keep this in mind? Why is it important for us to understand it? Because in a world where so much is changing all of the time, we need something that's stable and solid and reliable. You know, it, it makes me laugh because consider this for a moment. When the wheel was made, right, was not crazy, like crazy long in, in the span of how much like technology changed when you look at like the wheel and then it just progressed and it progressed and it progressed slowly and slowly. And you look at this time period, they're discovering more and more new things. Society is changing and cultures are shifting. And even for the the Jewish people at this time, the Romans have spread out through the world. There's roads being built and culture is passing through in a way that's never happened before. A lot is changing. And the church is spreading out as well uh, around the known world. And he's going, we're being exposed to all of these different things. You're experiencing new challenge and and new trials because things change. Our society today, I would argue, is the fastest shifting ever. I mean, it, it changes so fast when you think about it. I mean, some of you who are in your 50s, right? 40s, 50s. If you think back just to what it was like when you're in your mid-twenties. It's so different, right? I mean, even for some of us, and, and you know, I'm, in, I'm barely in my thirties, and, and many of us still that are in our twenties, think back to what it was like when you were ten. You know what I mean? How many of us remember floppy disks? Right? So, so even, most, uh, most of us still remember what floppy disks are. But life has changed so much. You remember when, do you guys remember when uh, uh, Flash... Uh, the little flash disks came out, the thumb drives. You guys remember when, like, a 512 megabyte flash drive was like, whoa, that's so, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it cost you, like, $40 for one. Anybody remember that? I remember that. Now, it's like, you go and you buy, you could buy a, 
a half terabyte for that price. And a thumb drive. I mean, you can buy, for a little more, you can buy a thumbnail drive with a terabyte on it. I mean, that's, that's the difference of less than a decade. But what we've been able to do and, and go and accomplish, and it's only going to get faster, which is almost kind of scary. And so in a society where things are changing so quickly, we've got to find something that, is, that doesn't change. You guys with me? Yeah. And, and there's good change and there's bad change. Families change. Right? We grow. Families grow. We're about to have our second baby. And from what all of you have told me and other people have told me, our life is just... It, it flips upside down. It's, it's Now it's going to like flip upside down and then somebody's going to start shaking us. It's supposed to be what it's like. Um, so, amen. But uh, God is good. Uh, but we're going to be working for that. But seeing that God is stable and He doesn't change, that what is what's interesting is what is right and what is wrong in our society what is right and what is wrong seems to change pretty quickly now you know and it's 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 astounding when you look at it but what's what's right what's wrong we often in, in scriptural terms we often look at it as light and darkness and yet if you think about light and darkness if that line shifts and blurs, it's hard to tell where right and wrong is. You know what I'm saying? What you need is you need a fixed light. You need something that's going to stay stationary to help you really determine where that is. And what's good is that God doesn't change like that. Is there? You, you know what I mean? Uh, for me, it helps me not just in the things that are changing like that, but it helps me when things get into turmoil. Um, because what's this let me ask this if you think about it the thing that that uh, causes you the most turmoil I would I would bet that it generally has to do with people most of us agree with that it's not people it's usually money but I'd say most of the time it's people and for me when people come and go in life, that affects us probably the most. Right? It, it, it hurts us the most. Um, it, it rejoices. It makes us the, the most glad and the most sad. But the one stable thing in our life can always be God. And He's always good. He's never not good. How many times uh, is God referred to throughout the scripture as a rock or a fortress? Dozens and dozens of times God is referred to as a rock and a fortress. And it's all meant to convey to us a security that God is a place of strength and refuge. How do you view God these days? Think about it. How do you really view God these days? You know, um, I, I, sometimes I have this saying, I say, Jesus is Lord. God is, God is good. Jesus is Lord. God is good. I lived with a roommate. used to say that all the time. Something frustrating would happen. He'd, he'd yell. He'd, he'd just be like, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And his brother named Donovan. And, and that was just his thing. He did it all the time. One of our, our roommates' cars got stolen. He's like, Jesus is Lord. I think the brother was like, well, your car didn't get stolen. But, <laughs> uh, but Jesus was still Lord. 
You know, God was still good. And we think about it. God is still good even when our world turns upside down. And people disappoint us and people hurt us because God does not, He is not a shifting shadow. And when we get this, when we know this is true, accept this is true, write it on our hearts as true, believe it in our minds as true, when, when we know that God is good and unchanging, it can give us strength and stability. The strength to sustain and the strength to inspire us. It can sustain us in times of challenge because we know and believe that God will deliver a good purpose even when we don't understand it. It can inspire us by giving us a security that we need to go into uncharted territory because we know where refuge is and how to get back to it. And because we know that, we can explore a little bit farther. You know what I mean? James is now getting to the age where he, he'll, he'll run, but he still likes to look back where we are. Um, but he doesn't always do that. And, and I'm excited that he's bold. I'm also like terrified because that means he runs away from me sometimes where I can't see him. Um, you know, I was, I, I was so, super upset with myself. I see Sue's face. She's like upset with me probably a little bit in her heart right now. Uh, Kristen was very gracious to me. But at the wedding, Kristen and I were talking and James sat down in a chair and she's like, all right, I'm going to go help with this. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to stay here and help with this. And James is right there, and I'm like, okay, James is right there. And then I end up talking to somebody about this, and then I don't realize it until Sue walks up to me a couple minutes later going, this child was found walking up the stairway by himself. You, I mean, like, far, like, in another part of the building. And I was like, oh, I was, I honestly, I think I was like, oh, dear God. Like, because, I mean, Kristen, and, and I too, I, we, we like, freak out about the idea of him being kidnapped, he's a good looking kid, he's cute, he's funny, he's smart, like all of these things, you know, I mean even if he wasn't, he's still our kid, but he is, you know, and so we're terrified of that idea, like, like gut-wrenching kind of thing sometimes, but then, but him knowing like there's a place where he's safe. You know, when he knows he can still see me sometimes, he's, he's just still more bold. He gets scared. He's got the anxiety. When we know where our safe place is, we're more likely to explore. You know? When we know where something's, where safe is, where home is, where the fortress is, where my refuge is, we find strength and security. And so, I'm, I just have, I'm gonna have two short points uh, to, to bring these in, but I think it's, the first point is finding the strength to sustain. Right? Finding strength to sustain, you've got to go to God and understand that He's the place of security. Right? And, and there's so many scriptures I thought about being able to use with this, but turn over to Philippians 1. Because when we think about the things that cause us turmoil, the things that cause us insecurity, it's often these changes in life that shift us. And, and, Here in Philippians 1, we're going to start in verse 3. Let's look at what Paul writes. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this first day until now. 
being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. But whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. You know, in this passage, it's interesting. Paul is, is, this is a twofold example for us of the idea of people finding, being able to find security in knowing who God is. All right? And the twofold one is Paul himself. He is an amazing example. He is a man who is literally in prison. Does that sound, I mean, that doesn't sound enjoyable to me, personally. Being in prison is not something that I think of. Kind of a bummer. Right? And Paul's writing to these Philippians from, uh, he, he's writing to them from this prison, telling them, guys, God is still good. Like, He is working, and He's going to produce good results. And whether I'm in chains or whether I'm not, God's working. Kind of what he's saying here. Does that make sense? So that's, that's one example, is Paul's own life of someone who just trusts, even in like a challenge. You know, in his letter is also a call for the Philippians to hold to God and find strength in the Lord to persevere through the trials and hardship of life. And that's what he's, he's, he's writing to them about. He's, he's telling them to persevere. He's, he's calling them to be humble. He's, he's saying, don't take confidence in the wrong things. Take confidence in God. Keep going towards your goal. Don't give up. And, and it's a lot about being joyful. But in all of this, I look at this scripture, and I see the example of what Paul is calling them to in the society that they're in, Philippi, and the challenges that they're facing. And he's going, God is still good. Rejoice and be glad. And if you read through Philippians, that's what it's about. And so here's... I've got to give it to Paul. In verse 6, he's writing to these disciples, telling them amongst challenges this, this verse here. Being confident of this, that He, that is God, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul knows that God does not give up. He knows that he's doing all he can to walk in step with God's will. And because of that, he knows that good will ultimately come. You guys feel that way still? About it? About life? Even when we don't understand it? Here's a guy who's been through the ringer. He's been stoned multiple times. The one that gets me is he gets stoned, they all think he's dead, which he may I I kind of think maybe he did die for a moment. I don't know. But they all think he's dead. They leave him there. And then he gets back up from being knocked out or whatever he was. And then goes back into the same city to keep preaching. Because he's like, I know there's something good that's going to result from this. Uh, I mean, he's stoned multiple times. Uh, he is, he's shipwrecked. He's flogged on multiple occasions. He's beaten. I mean, there's just so many things that happen in this guy's life. But he just doesn't give up because he knows that God... Is working something good through his life. 
ultimately, the Holy Spirit is again saying through the Scriptures, but speaking through Paul and speaking through Paul's life and encouragement to us today, that God is trying to say that He isn't through with you if you're in a challenge. No matter whether or not you, uh, you think you are through, God is saying, don't give up. I've got a plan. I know you may not see it yet, but I'm working, so don't lose hope. So I ask you today as well to not give up. Don't give up faith that God is good, that He's got a plan. He is who He is and He won't change that. And so God's immutability or His steadfastness, His unchanging nature helps us in times of trial. And I think for me, it can excite me in time to do some crazy things. Right? I'm just thinking about it. How many of us moved to Vermont just for the sake of helping the church? Or, or at some point, right? So a good number of us. And there's a number who you guys have, God has brought you here from one occasion or another, but you've poured your life into the church and all these different things. Faith calls us to do some crazy things sometimes. I mean, now that's those of us who move there with that purpose. Anybody ever done, they feel like I've done something a little crazy because I was faithful. At some point in your life. I, I would bet that most of us would raise our hands on that one, that we've stepped out on faith to do something, to go on an adventure, to do something exciting. And why did you do it? You did it because you believe that God has got your back. That God is good, that He's got a plan, and He's going to do something great. That sort of confidence and excitement comes from God. And so, point two is, be inspired to explore. Be inspired to explore. I'll keep this last one short, but go to Hebrews 10. And this will be our last scripture. Hebrews 6, I'm sorry, verse 10. Paul writes in verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. In order to make your hope sure, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. When God made His promise to Abraham... Since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wants to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. I 
personally read the scripture and I feel a little bit called out. All right? I feel a little bit called out, specifically by verses 11 and 12. Because he writes, we want, we want you to show diligence to the very end. I'm going to paraphrase a little. To show diligence to the very end. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and long-suffering, have inherited what has been promised. Faith through faith and long-suffering. This word for patience is, is often can be put as, as long-suffering. But in, for me, this passage speaks to me for, for a couple reasons. One is because it goes on to tell about a man named Abraham who leaves a place of security, of wealth, of a place with his family, to go and move to a different country because the Holy Spirit tells him to. And God says, go and do this, and I, this will result. I give you this as, as, essentially as a promise that this is what's going to happen. And Abraham does it. And you know what he does? He goes, and then he's got to wait for decades for that promise to come true. That is a powerful idea in the sense that we sometimes have to wait a while to see the good result of God. I, I feel this in the sense of a... Uh, a young guy asked to lead a church in Vermont at the age of 25, right? I had just been married. I had, you know, I, I had a couple years of ministry experience. I would not led a church. And then we're being asked to, to move to a place where we don't really have a lot of relationships or friends or anything like that right away. And, and we don't know who's going to come with us. There's so many things we didn't know and so many things I felt like, and in all honesty, there was one brother who initially... Before the offer was ever put out there, he's like, I don't know who is going to go there, but they're going to have to have a ton of faith. Because that's going to be crazy. And he's like, I don't know if I have enough faith to go there. And I was like, hmm, okay. You know, and I, and I didn't think too much about that. This was before I was ever offered the job. So then, before, the, not even the offer, but the idea of an offer ever came up. And I was like, so when I initially heard it, I spent like probably two or three weeks just praying about it before I even brought it up to Kristen. Because I was like, God, is this what you want? Is this really where you want us to go? Because we were very happy in Portland. We had a great apartment. We had awesome friends. Our ministry was like, I really feel like it was about to just blow up and take off. And I was just so excited about where we were in life that I felt no desire to like leave from where I was. Because I felt like where I was was just doing great. And yet God put this call out there to go, do you want another adventure? Because I've got a plan. Right? And so we took it. And there was, there was 18, right? There was 18 people in the church here when we moved. There were six married couples. There was one teen. There was, you know, there, the church had been small. And then we ended up finding another dozen people to come in the first year, which was, which was awesome. But let me... Let me Put it this way, think, I, I feel called out because of what God has done, and I can sometimes forget. We have, we went from six married couples to 15 married couples now. That's awesome, right? We, have, we went from there being one young professional to there being over 15 young professionals in the church, right? We've seen dozens of people 
be, we've seen over a dozen people be saved. We've seen children be born. We've seen so many good things happen. And yet, I, I, have, I know that I moved here with even bigger dreams. And sometimes, because we're not there yet, of like hitting some of those, those dreams, I was like, we're going to get to 56, biggest the church has ever been, by year three. And we're in year five. But we're at like 50. And I also recognize that if all the people who hadn't moved still lived here, we'd be at like 70, so that'd be fired up. But, you know... We're growing. And maybe it doesn't happen on the timeline that I expect change to happen, but God still told me, put on my heart, that I've got a plan for Vermont. I've got a plan for you. God has a plan for each of you in that as well. You know, and some of us have spent our lives, some of you have already spent uh, the better part of your lives here. This is a life work. The church, the goals, the growing this ministry here, it's a life work. And it's not just one life, it's many lives. And God was going to continue to work through all of us because He's got a good plan. But that gets me excited when I think about life changes. Adventures come. Trials and troubles come. But you know what never changes? God never changes. We can take confidence in the times where we feel like we're in the middle of a storm getting beat down, where the waves are coming up over our heads. God is an anchor. God is a a safe harbor. God is a refuge in those times. If we hold to the faith and trust that God is good, and there's a plan there, and in the times where we feel like, you know what? Things are really good right now. Maybe it's the time for an adventure. Where are you at right now? Are you ready to push forward and start something new? Are you praying about going on the next adventure? Be thinking about it. Be praying about it. Because in this ever-changing world, God never changes. Good will come and bad will come. But God's never going to change. And God is going to continue to do great things through us if we hold to Him and trust in His goodness. Let's hold to God. Amen. Thank you.